I, right now I'm going to ask, um, Clayton Meeks is going to come and read scripture for us and pray this morning. And after he reads scripture and prays, we'll have our offering. All right? So you be ready for uh, ushers. You be ready for the offering right after he reads scripture and prays. Clayton, let me grab this microphone here. That's not plugged in, so I'll let you hold that close and use that, okay? All right, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. It kind of goes along with what we were talking about today in our uh, Sunday school and then last week in our men's group. So, um, Do not love the world of the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you so much for your son Jesus. We want to thank you for uh, the people that you brought us today to teach us about what they're doing abroad uh, for you. We want to thank you so much for this church and the people in this church and the groups that, uh, that we have within this church to help within the church itself and to reach out for others. And we want to thank you for our pastor Steve and we pray uh, for his word today to, to reach somebody that is here today. In your name I pray, amen.
As you're taking your Bible and turning to Psalm 67 this morning, there may be a Bible uh, underneath the chair you're sitting in or close to you if you didn't bring your Bible with you today, but we've read this scripture and just sang this scripture. And now we'll hear the scripture exalted in and preached. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Our Father, we come before you again this morning and we are so grateful and thankful that for those of us who are saved, who are your people, we are so thankful that you've worked in our hearts and caused us to see Jesus and that our striving is to delight in him and to praise him and to be satisfied in him that the desire of our heart is not to displease the one we love. Father, we ask God that you would work in us so that the peoples may praise you, that the nations may be glad. Lord, those in our community, those in Argentina, Bosnia, all over the world might hear about Christ and and embrace Christ and have a joy that's not rooted in fleeting earthly worldly pleasures but a joy that's found in Jesus that no one can take away from them and Lord for us as we went through this past week our focus has been on horizontal things some good things but there's been battles and temptations And our hearts have been wooed by the world. And so we're so thankful we can come on Sundays, on the first day of the week, to be reminded that we are not of the world. And we're fighting against it and we're battling against it. And so we so desperately need every Sunday and every day we need our hearts stirred and reminded of where we find our deepest satisfaction and joy. So that you might be glorified in the praise of your people and the praise of others that don't yet know you. So we ask now that you would do this work that only you can do in us. Stir us, God. Stir our hearts that are prone to wonder. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have a question for you, and it's this. Why send mission teams to Bosnia or send our sons and daughters like Brandon and Crystal Leach to Argentina? Why engage in an evangelism emphasis called Who's Your One? Why invite neighbors over Friday night that you barely know so that you can talk to them about Jesus? Why talk to the brother-in-law who doesn't know Jesus or in his fullness? Why do we do these things? The main point of this passage of Scripture is this, and I think it answers that question. God's grace to us or God's grace to you is for the gladness and joy of all peoples to the praise of God's glory. God's grace to you is for the gladness and joy of all peoples to the praise of God's glory. I believe that that summarizes up Psalm 67. So the past few Sundays we began to look at at the Psalms with the theme, the gospel in the Psalms. And last Sunday we looked at a royal psalm that talked about God's kingship over all people and how because he's king, we are to worship him, right? We are to praise him. 
our joy is not rooted in things of this earth. If they were, then we'd be up and down all the time and we'd battle with that, right? But since our joy is rooted in this king who has come to earth, we now praise him. And so we come to Psalm 67. And this is a psalm you might call a, a hymn type of psalm. Some people refer to it as a thanksgiving psalm. But certainly it is a psalm that is sang by the people of God who recognize his kingship and recognize his anointed to be not David, David in that context, but in its fulfillment, David's descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning we again ask the question, why is it that we would go to great lengths to spread the gospel in our community on our own mission fields and many of the things you're doing? I'm so thankful to be part of a church that understands what it means to be called to go, or even to go not just locally, but also globally. What, what motivates that? What, why do we do that? Because God's grace to you is for the gladness and joy of all peoples to the praise of his glory. So I want to break that statement down and look at it for a few moments this morning. Number one, God's grace to you. Look with me, if you would, in your Bible. If you're looking at your Bible in verse 1, after the introduction of the psalm, telling us to play on stringed instruments. So yes, having guitars and other instruments are biblical. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. Selah, I think, we think, is a, it's kind of like a pause. Just pause for a moment and think about that. Selah. What is it that God just said in verse 1 that he wants us to pause and think about? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That may sound familiar to some of you that are familiar with the Old Testament. It's found in the Aaron's, uh, it's what's called the Aaronic blessing of God's people where a prayer is being made over God's people, Israel, the nation of Israel, that God might bless them, make his face shine upon them, that God will fulfill his promises to Israel under the Old Covenant. And now again, the psalmist is praying that way for Israel in context. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. It is, in its context, a prayer for prosperity, that God would prosper the nation of Israel in every way and keep his promises to them. Make your face to shine upon us. God, you've been gracious to us. So God, make your face to shine upon us. But you notice the next word it says is in verse 2. That... God's bless us that. God blessing to us is not just an end in and of itself. God bless us so I can be happy. God shine your face upon Israel that something else may happen. And what is that? Well, it's verse 2 and 3 if you're looking at your Bible, right? We'll see that. Well, let's talk about just for a moment. How had God shown his face upon Israel in the past? And now the psalmist is asking me, saying, Lord, you've shown your face on Israel. Now shine it again. Keep doing that. Well, remember the Exodus, for example. The people are in slavery to Egypt. The nations are observing God who has chosen Israel out of all the nations of the world. The, the nations of the world who are pagans who believe in many gods are watching Israel. And God is showing through Israel, little tiny Israel, the rest of the world that there's one true God. And all your gods are false gods. So they go in slavery to Egypt and they're probably asking themselves, why God, why is this happening to us? We don't deserve this. 
But they're there and God's working for his glory so that all peoples may know him. And the Egyptians are one by one through these plagues are seeing their gods being judged. And God brings about the people of Israel by his mighty right hand through Moses who says to Pharaoh, let my people go. God hardens Pharaoh's heart for his glory and his name's sake. The people go across the Red Sea. The waters are parted. The waters come down on the Egyptians as the Israelites cross. And guess who hears about it? The nations. Joshua chapter one, Jericho's on the other side of the Jordan and their knees are knocking. They're nervous because they heard about what happened to the Egyptians and somebody up on the wall says, hey, Jericho neighbors, the, the Israelites are coming. And we've heard about how God has been with the Israelites and defeated kings by his, by their God is among them. And there was a lady in Jericho named Rahab who hid the spies, risking her life, who was a prostitute of all things, but commended for her faith in Hebrews chapter 11 because God had worked through Israel for his namesake for the nations, people like Rahab, so that they could also be part of this joy and gladness that's found in God. And so, she says in Joshua chapter two, verse 11, as soon as we heard it, heard about Israel, what happened to the Egyptians, as soon as we heard it, as soon as we heard it, the Israelites are coming now across the Jordan to Jericho. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. See what God was doing? Working through his people, blessing them, making his face shine upon them, that something else may happen, right? God's grace to them was that, verse two might happen. Look at your Bible in verse two. That your way may be known on the earth. You see that? See that in your Bible? That your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. That's why God's doing it, that something else may happen, that all nations might know him. Now, how does this, how do the Psalms, something quickly address about the Psalms again, how do the Psalms in context written to Israel apply to us? Psalms written to Hebrews, people with Jewish blood going through their veins, how does it apply to us today? Well, we have to read it through the lens of the fulfillment of the new covenant that the promised king of Israel has come. His name is Jesus, and he's done what has been promised to Abraham. That Abraham, I will bless you that through you all nations will be blessed. That was always God's plan, right? And so we'll look at your Bible in verse 1 when it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. Who is the us? In context, it's immediate context, O covenant Israel. Jesus has come, old covenant's gone away, new covenant has been ushered in through the blood of Jesus, amen? And God's promises has expanded to include all those who are believers, believing Jews and believing Gentiles. The us is us. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. John the Baptist preached and said, oh, I can, the Lord can raise up children of Abraham from these rocks has nothing to do with what blood's going through your veins. You gotta be born again is what Jesus said to Nicodemus, the Jew. 
So when it says us here, when we read the Psalms, when we read other passages of the Old Testament, we carefully apply them. They're not applying to Old Covenant Israel, which has been fulfilled. They're not applying to Israel today over in the Middle East. They're not applying to America, which is founded on Christian principles. It's applying to the church who doesn't have borders, right? So a brief lesson there in what we call hermeneutics or biblical interpretation, the right way to look at Scripture and apply it to our lives the right way. It does apply to us. God's graced us. So now we have to ask the question, this indeed does apply to us through Jesus. How has God shown his face upon us? When we read verse 1 and we say, Lord, make your face to shine upon us that all the earth may hear, all the ends of the earth may hear, all that you might be glorified By all the earth hearing, how has God made his face to shine upon us? Rather than rage against God, like the nations in Psalm chapter 2 that we read about last Sunday, like the wind blowing last night, just raging outside, rebelling against God, dead in our sin, rather than rage against God, we rejoice in God. He's done this miracle in us, right? We're rejoicing. Why is that? Why don't I, for those of us who are born again, why don't we rage against God? What? My friend, they heard the gospel and they they don't rejoice in God. They still rage against God. Why me? God's grace, right? God's grace to us. How has he made his face shine upon us? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. The God who said that has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh yes, God shown his face upon Old Testament Israel in a wonderful, gracious way by giving his law, by delivering them from the Egyptians. But Jesus comes and shines in a much greater way. You've seen the Father, you've seen the Son. And for those of us who have never physically seen Jesus, he, He's shown in our hearts. God has shown in our hearts. His face has shined upon our hearts. We've seen Him. And we, we are more infinitely blessed in that way. And therefore, we've seen His saving power. The Bible says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses. That was good and that was gracious for God to give the law through Moses to Israel, right? That was a good thing, not a bad thing. Good thing. But grace and truth are realized in Jesus Christ. Greater thing, right? Jesus is better. That's the book of Hebrews, folks. And for those of us who are born again, we're recipients of that. So when we look at verse 1 and we look at verse 2 and we say, God, in light of Jesus coming, make your face to shine upon us. God, you have. You've you've saved us. You've helped us see our sin and the beauty of Christ. and, And now we rejoice in you. Lord, continue to stir us that way. Continue to help us see Christ and persevere in faith so that, verse 2, your way may be known on the earth. Just like God's way with the Israelites among the Egyptians was being made known so that his salvation, the fact that the Lord is salvation would be known among Rahab and the surrounding nations. God, may you work amongst your people, work in my own life, work in our church family so that your way amongst us and how you deal with us might be made known. Your salvation, the fact that Jesus is Savior would be made known. 
So, God's graced us. Yes, God's been gracious to us. Amen, church. Secondly, the gladness and joy of all peoples. Remember the that? God's grace to us is that something else may happen. And one of those is, number two, is the gladness and joy of all peoples. So consider with me the scope of God's saving plan and the satisfaction of God's saving plan because look in your Bible it says, let the peoples praise you, O God. In fact, five times it says peoples in this passage of Scripture. Peoples. Now, who talks like that? When I was in the Army, I had a master sergeant who was in charge of the battery, field artillery battery that I was a part of, and he would come out. And he was from Louisiana. and say, We called him Smoke. He'd come out and he'd say, All right, men's, you men's line up, and you men's do this, and you men's keep your mouth closed, and you men's and words I couldn't say and all that kind of thing, right? You men's, you men's, you men's. Now, that's how he talked. When the Bible says you peoples, plural, that's just not how God's talking here. He's, he's saying, may all kinds of people, may the peoples, and then he says nations, may all different nations, all kinds of people, without, without exemption, you know, without qualification, may, may all kinds of them be saved. May they come to you, Right? Peoples, 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 five times in this passage of Scripture. And what does he want them to do? Look at what your Bible says in verse 3. You're looking at your Bible. Let the peoples praise you. Four times in this passage of Scripture, you see the same type of repetition, right? Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. What does it mean to praise? Why would you praise anything? Because you take joy in it. Because you delight in it. Touchdown, Tennessee! Yeah! Now that just resonates with me, I understand. And I have to talk about football right now because I can't talk about basketball if you've been keeping up. But praise, delight. What, what does God want all the peoples to do? He wants them to be glad. He wants them to rejoice. Verse 4 says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. When we're in Bosnia, I've been in there the last three summers, uh, there are minarets throughout. A minaret is kind of like the, looks like a steeple on top of a mosque. That's the way I'd explain it. And all throughout Sarajevo, so many mosques, and you can hear the call to prayer throughout the city. And my thought, Andy, really is, it's, it's kind of a beautiful sound, and it's also an eerie sound at the same time, and a very sad sound. And the ironic thing is what's taking place, the imams, those that, uh, or whoever is doing the call to prayer, the recording or whatever, is, is supposed to be a prayer to God. It's a, a praise to the, the God that they don't know. It's a praise meant for God, and, our, and their praise is meant for God, but not the false God whose prophet is Muhammad. And what we've come to know as we've been in Bosnia that I've come to know, I don't have much, near as much experience as they do, obviously, that the Bosnian people are, are happy people. 
but it takes a little time maybe to know that. They, they, they're just like us. They, they laugh. They get nervous when they do English speaking and all that, and they cut up and they tease and poke fun. And, and, but they're also a sad people because of the war 25 years ago, and they're sad because of different things going on in our lives. And they're sinful people, just like us. And the more we talk to Bosnians, it's like talking to people right here. That, I said they're happy people. Well, their happiness or unhappiness is contingent upon and rooted in the economy. How good's the economy doing? Lowest unemployment in that part of Europe. It's, it's rooted in if I can get a job and have respect in that way, then I'll feel good and I'll be happy. I'm taking English, I'm learning English, I'm, I'm happy now. I feel like somebody, I feel better, I have self-esteem, makes me happy. Look at my clothes, look at my dress. The government, it's a mess there, just sounds familiar. Health, does this all this sound familiar? Health, wealth, is what the supposed happiness is rooted in. But God wants the nation's joy and happiness just like people around here to be rooted in Him and not in fleeting things. God's not a a cosmic candy dispenser, folks. He's not some cosmic candy dispenser that you put the, you know, say the right things or, or pull the right lever or whatever and out comes whatever you want, giving us, you know, what we naturally desire. God's a cosmic glory revealer. He's revealing who he is. He wants us to find satisfaction and satisfy our souls in him, not just our natural appetites. So what, how does this inform us about God's, God, the gospel and our calling? Beloved, listen. People are running to hell as fast as they can and they don't, they don't know it. False religions are ushering people straight to hell. And not just false religions, but false religions cloaked in the guise of the gospel, false gospels, pushing people to hell with smiles on their faces. False gospels that just tell people what they want to hear. They're finding satisfaction in the world and false gospels just say, keep right on doing that. Prosperity gospels, dispensing, being swallowed whole, giving people what they naturally want, not what they need. So whether it's a false gospel or a watered-down gospel or a prosperity gospel, whatever, it just makes the road to hell all that much more comfortable. That's all that happens when the gospel is not truly shared and preached. So let's just make everybody comfortable, give everybody some warm fuzzies, let's just go through the motions and just send them on their way to hell. That's what... Anything less than Christ-centered gospel, teaching, preaching, singing, praying, sharing, does. Let's tickle their ears, treat people with kid gloves, and send them on their way to hell. What does the gladness in the nations need to be rooted in? It needs to be rooted in the good news, and the good news is that you can have God as your God. Well, that may not sound good to somebody that's looking for work and can't find a job. 
Well, I want a job. And so we try to help people with practical things like English so they can get a job and all that. That's part of the calling of the church, but that's not the end thing. The end thing is so that they might know God. So God's grace to you again is for the gladness and joy of all people, real gladness and joy of all peoples to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And so who is this God that people need to have their joy and gladness rooted in, that we need to be celebrating and and seeking to have our own souls stirred about? Who is this God that the nations don't know, that people in Bosnia really don't know for the most part? People groups who have little access to this knowledge. They can't turn on the radio and hear Christian songs, some good, maybe some bad. Who is this God that's to be glorified in the praise of all peoples? We seek to share the gospel with people around us and wherever in the world because of God's grace to us for the gladness and joy of all peoples to the praise of God's glory. For he is a holy judge. Look at your Bible with me in verse 4. It's very quickly. Verse 4, what does it say? Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Not just sing, but sing for joy. They're finding delight, right? They're not just going through the motions. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for... So here's the reason why. For you judge the peoples with equity. A lot of injustice in the land. A lot of things don't seem fairly. What the peoples of the earth need to know is that there is a God in heaven who is a just judge and will do what is right always. This is the God. This is the the true and living God. And all people need to know that there is a holy judge who does right. And because he will do right, he will also not pass over their own sins. The gospel only looks beautiful and great when we see how much it is that we needed to have been saved from. For he is a holy judge. And for he is a great shepherd. Look at verse 4 again. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations upon the earth. Who is this God? He is a holy judge. And he is a great shepherd. He guides the peoples. You see that? He guides the nations upon the earth. This is not a God aloof. This is not a God who sits in the heavens and and laughs at the rebellion of people, but this is a God who, who doesn't just do that. He is a God who intervenes in the world and wants to guide people, his people, like a shepherd guides his sheep. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He's the shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. He's a holy judge, this God, and he's a great shepherd. He's the great shepherd who is the holy judge. The holy judge doesn't overlook the sins of the the people themselves, but the great shepherd lays down his life for the sins of the people. (laughs) What a God this is! I mean, come on! Isn't that good news? And most people in the world never heard of it. Never. So don't give me this garbage about we got people to reach right here. We can't go over there. That's nonsense. We do got people to reach right here. 
They got a ton of access to the gospel, but still really haven't heard it in their hearts. So we got to work and we got to serve and we got to be on mission everywhere and every day, right where we work, live, and play. Because they may have heard it, but they've not seen it. He's not shown in their hearts. So don't misunderstand, right? There's a calling locally and globally. So that people know, yeah, there's a holy judge, but that holy judge is a great shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. He's not one you work your way to. He comes down off the mountain and comes to you and does it for you. Man, that's, whoa, glory. That's the gospel. That's the good news, right? He's a holy judge. He's a great shepherd. And thirdly, he's a good father. Look at what the Bible says in verse five. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse six, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. The earth has yielded its increase. The Bible says the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. This is a God who is father to all in that sense. He's created all. He is a father in that sense. But the world doesn't know that he is a good father, that he has actually worked, that they are actually children of wrath under his judgment. And it's not until the holy judge lays down his life for the sheep and they repent and trust in him that they can actually know that he is a good father, that instead they are children of wrath like the rest, like we were. But if we trust in what he's done through Jesus, we are adopted into his family, joint heirs with Christ. He looks upon us like he looks upon his son. And again, what good news is this, right? That's what our joy is rooted in. That's never going to change, folks. Your health may change tonight. I hope it doesn't. And your bank account may go away tomorrow. I hope it doesn't. But what God's promised us in Jesus will not. And despite the fact I'm sweating and yelling, I'm happy about it. It's the only security we have. It's the only thing we have in this life that will not go away. And if we can't be excited about that, then maybe we don't even know it for ourselves. He is a good father. So in Bosnia, we sung this song, Good, Good Father, that Chris Tomlin made popular. We sang it because it's just vague enough that we could sing it in the assembly times with a mostly Muslim group and not unnecessarily offend them so that we could share the gospel in our own group times and in other times for those that wanted to hear. But it was always sad to hear them sing Good, Good Father because we know what the song intends even though it's a little bit vague. It's intended to be sung by those who know that God adopts us as his children through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And that's what we got to share with many, with several students last year. But it was always sad to listen to these people sing. They're singing in their broken English. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. You know, they sing, by the way, they correct me a lot of times in my English. But it was so sad to hear them because I was like, do they even understand what, why we have, you know, what this song's about? You know, he's often moved by that. So we go there or we go here because of God's grace to us 
is for the gladness and joy of all peoples to the praise of God's glory. They might know him. They might know that he is a good father. He is this great shepherd. He is this holy judge. So, John Piper said in his, na- his book about this psalm, which I've not read that book, all of it anyway, and, and not even recently, but made a statement that missions exist because worship does not. And that's such a good statement. It's basically a summary of what we're saying here right in Psalm 67. Identifying, engaging who's your one, talking to your friend, inviting a family over for supper on a Friday night to share the gospel, sending your sons and daughters and your grandchildren to Argentina, sending teams to Bosnia to share the gospel. That those things exist because the gladness and joy of all peoples to the glory of God does not I invite the family over to my home Friday night because their gladness and joy is rooted in a false God. They don't don't know the true God and God's not glorified. So that's why we do it. You go to work and you seek to live out the gospel and share the gospel when you have opportunity. Why do you do that? Because the gladness and joy of those people you work with to the glory of God doesn't exist in them. And you want it to spread. You want his fame to spread because you love him. So this is what it all comes down to in closing. God wants all people to know him and praise him. God does want all peoples to know him and praise him. Verse 7 says, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him, reverence him. Another way of saying worship him. Let all the ends of the earth, just as we're commissioned in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God wants all people to know him and praise him. And I want to ask you two questions before I close then. Number one is this. God wants all peoples to know him and praise him. Do you want what God wants? Do you want what God wants? If we want something, we'll pursue it. Do you want something bad enough? To promotion at work? To position on the team? The scholarship at college, the award at the competition, you're going to pursue it. The cute girl in class, you're going to pursue her. A nice retirement someday, you're going to work for it. But do we want what God wants? Not not anything those things are bad in themselves, right? But do we want what God wants? The glory of God and the gladness of all peoples, is that what we want? So let me ask you, How are you going to the nations? Because we've all been called to. How are you going to the nations? Where will you go? Across the street? Because the nations are here, folks. The nations are our neighbors, whether their skin's just like us or not. We're all part of the nations. You get that? Gentiles, they're everywhere. So where will you go? Across the street? Will you go around the world? You might go around the world. Will you say, here I am, send me, Lord? How much are you going to give? Do you want what God wants? So how much, where are you going to go then? You want what God wants? How are you going to give if you want what God wants? You want what God wants? How are you going to pray? How fervently will you pray? 
Do we want what God wants? And secondly, when we think about all this kind of thing about missions and evangelism, people start feeling guilty, don't they? So the second question is, will we be compelled by guilt or will we be continually glad? Guilt ain't going to get you nowhere. I can't talk you into it. No matter how passionate and sweaty I get up here this morning, it ain't going to happen. So will you be compelled by guilt or will you be continually glad? I was sharing with Andy and Billy. They asked how my wife and I met, and you all heard this story, but I like to tell it. She was visiting the church I was pastoring in, a little tiny church. And I'd go up to her, and I'd see her, and I noticed her. She was pretty, and she was godly. But I couldn't act like it because I was a pastor, and I'd go up to her, and I'd say, Nice to see you today, Deanna. And I was thinking, it's really nice to see you today. <laughs> but finally, after about three months of that, I called her one day. I said, Deanna, I just wanted to talk about, I don't remember, church membership or something. I forgot what, it, it was just a, you know, smoke screen. Then I said, Deanna, one more thing. I like you. I just got out with it. Never had handed around at all before. I like you. She said, oh, I feel the same way. And I said, really? Because I couldn't believe it. She said, she said, oh, say it again. <laughs> Classic, right? And I got off the phone, and she later told me she called all her friends. And I didn't have any friends, so I just got down on my knees and praised God. Because well, I knew this is it, you know. <laughs> Later I called my parents and so forth, and, right? We, we told people because we, we delighted in this. And that's how it is when you met your sweet baby pie too, right? You got excited. You, you're excited about that. It's not just puppy love for you. At least you don't think it is and hopefully not. And, and after a while, once the wedding bells ring, you have to work hard at keeping that fire kindled. Fire is an East Tennessee word for fire flame you got to work hard at it right praying together talking together listening to one another spending time with one another forgiving one another or them old flames will die down quick if I'm to be inflamed with a lasting passion for the joy and gladness of God of all peoples to the glory of God's, to the, to the glory of God, then I've got to be fueled continually is what I'm saying. If I want to keep on talking about him, and then I've, I've truly got to lie to him. You see, the, the fact that people are lost should, should be a compelling factor for why we want to talk to lost people. Amen, right? But it can't be just that. Because lost people bite. They disappoint you. They hurt you. Sometimes they try to kill you. What's going to keep you on the mission field here locally or even globally? The glory of God. The one you delight in. That means the flame that's going to last so that the gospel, you keep working to spread the gospel, it's got to be kindled. What's that mean then, folks? You know, fasting, praying, coming to church where the gospel's preached, being in a Sunday school class or small group with the gospel shared, 
accountability with one another. These means of grace that continue to, inf- to, 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 to kindle the, that flame of love for Jesus in us and staying away from worldly things and not just getting as close as you can to temptation without sinning, but running like Joseph did because it won't take much to pour water on your fire. And you just be a little smoking ember. And then try to tell somebody, well, yeah, I know Jesus. Well, you sure don't look very excited about it. Why would I want to know Jesus? Your joy seems to be rooted in the same things I take pleasure in. You're, you're, you act like you're sad and everything because you lost your job or cancer, and I understand that. And, but my joy is rooted in my health and wealth too. So how is Jesus helping you with this? Folks, it's hard, isn't it? So we've got to keep kindling the fire with one another and for the glory of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father, uh, there's a great calling upon us, Lord, a, a joyous calling, Lord, really. What a weighty calling it is that you have called us to yourself and Lord you have called us to to take the, the message of the gospel to others and thank you Lord thank you for this privilege, this call I ask God that whatever you're saying to your people that they would obey if you're stirring somebody to talk to that lost friend or neighbor or to invite them out for that dessert and they've just kind of been pushing that February challenge to the side I pray that they'd obey it if you're calling somebody to go to Bible college or seminary or calling somebody in the ministry and I pray they'd know it calling somebody to go to Bosnia this summer or go to the mission field indefinitely God make it clear calling us to repent of sin that's quenching our fire for you and our love for you and our, which leads to our lack of evangelism then Lord forgive us and grant us repentance because you are a good father that loves us and laid down his life for the sheep it's in Jesus name I pray amen we're going to stand together and sing right now this song and if there's something on your heart you'd like to talk about, I'll, I'll pray with you right now and talk with you, or we can also do that afterwards. Let's stand and we know the Father this song is talking about, so let's sing it together and be thankful that we don't sing this vaguely, but we know who our Father is who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together and sing together. What is the gospel? It all begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, to rule over the garden. God told them they could eat from any tree that they wanted to in the garden except for the tree of the